Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 to 3 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful, sunny city of Angels where, hey, I may be wrong, but it feels like we got the best set of football teams of any major city in the country. Huh? Huh? All right, we got a lot to get to. Jimmy Butler is a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. That seemed to happen really fast. Um, and why one end of the deal, you the team that you feel like gets the better end of the deal somehow doesn't usually get the better end of the deal. We'll get to that upcoming. Um, also, uh, things that we freaked out about to start the season in the NFL, we apparently shouldn't have been freaking out about, which is what I told you at the time. It's This is the I told you so portion of the show we'll get to. Joe Thomas, all pro offensive lineman, now retired Cleveland Browns, gives us uh, his take. I want to get his take on the Saints offensive line, which is performing as well as, if not better than anyone in the league. 
And uh, what he saw from Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns in their dominant performance yesterday against the Atlanta Falcons. Trent Dilfer will join us. Michael Lombardi will join us. Chris Mannix will join us covering the NBA for Yahoo Sports. We have, we have the entirety of the sports landscape to cover for you. Uh, I just got back from calling my first game play-by-play ever, ever, and I did an NFL on radio. My thanks to the people at uh, Compass Media Networks and Brian Baldinger. They were gentle with me. Um, and I, I, you, you learn so much in watching an NFL game in person. And you learn so much in preparing for those games and talking to NFL people. You just do. And so I'm just fascinated at really the Cowboys win last night. Because I, I don't think I saw it coming. And maybe the, the foreshadowing that I had for people in the offseason of what the Philadelphia Eagles season would look like came to fruition. I, I think that's fair. So I don't want to cast dispersions on Dak Prescott. He was good last night. 26 of 36, 270 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Ezekiel, it was phenomenal last night. You know, 19 carries, 151 yards, best player on the field, plus he had six catches. I thought Dak showed the ability, and the play calling showed the ability to spray the ball around. Gallup had a couple catches. Dalton Schultz had a couple catches. Cole Beasley had four catches. Omari Cooper had six catches. Alan Hearns had a couple catches. And this was... This was generally the Cowboys' game plan coming into the season. If you remember Ryan Music and John Ramos and Dan Beyer, good to catch up with all of you guys. We went to Cowboys camp, and their whole thing was like, look, we may not have a number one, but we got a bunch of, you know, one Bs and two As, and we're going to spread the ball around to a bunch of guys instead of locking in on Des Bryant. And, and last night was probably the first time it played out as such. And keeping in mind, they, they haven't had Jason Witten, who they thought they were going to have. You know, Part of the plan was to still have Jason Witten. Even if he couldn't run, he can always catch and he could always get open. So best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And the, the Cowboys have struggled. They didn't expect to not have Travis Frederick either. But, but I, I, in watching the Saints in person, watching them warm up, watching their tape, watching their game, Saints didn't punt yesterday. And the Saints' defensive backfield is not great. I mean, they're basically covering the fact that Eli Apple, who the Cowboys couldn't wait to see me, who the Giants couldn't wait to get rid, rid of, is actually better than what they had working on that side of the field previously. And they're always having to shadow him with a, with a safety anyway. Like their defensive backfield, their linebackers are, you know, uh, they're, they're okay. You know, they're, but their their defensive backs are okay. That's the weakness to the team. They're the number one rush defense in football, but pass defense, which is what everybody does. So how are they the hottest team in football? Well, watch yesterday. They got the ball. They had the ball for eight and a half minutes. They sprinkle it in because they can run it. They can pass it. They just find mismatches. They generally don't hit you on many explosive plays. They only really had one pass play of over 20 yards in terms of the ball traveling more than 20 yards down the field yesterday. And yet they completely and utterly eviscerated the Bengals. Now, you can tell me that the Bengals are awful defensively. That's why they fired Terrell Austin, their defensive coordinator, earlier today. It would be a fair argument. Hey, good offense comes in, lights up bad defense. They get rid of defensive coordinator. But the Saints are only marginally better defensively than they were during Drew Brees' down years. 
the league has come around to Drew Brees' style, to the Saints' style. The only thing missing from the Saints team is they don't get the turnovers that they got during the Super Bowl winning year. But this is an offensive game. And so when I look at Dak and I see like this is this is the good the good Dak is 270 yards, mostly sprinkling it around in and around the line of scrimmage. He's a viable weapon, not just to throw it, but also to run it occasionally. I look around and I'm like, look, I don't think I think Dak has gotten better because everybody gets better with experience. I called a game yesterday. I wish I called one today or this upcoming weekend. I would be so much better the second time than I was the first time. You got to you have to experience it in order to understand what you got to do better. But I also think that the the league they don't just catch up to a Dak Prescott. They don't just catch up to a Carson Wentz. They don't just catch up to you. The league has also evolved into one of these. If you're not an accurate pinpoint passer, if you don't have an offense that tries to find that mismatch of linebacker on running back or safety on slot guy, or you're one weak cornerback getting exposed in man-to-man coverage. If you don't have those, if you, if you can't do that, you can't win on third down. If you can't win on third down, you can't win in the league. And, and so I'm not telling you that the Cowboys fresh off a win should be sitting there telling themselves that Dak Prescott stinks. I also didn't agree with the idea of giving Dak Prescott a contract extension, especially considering he's going to ask for, maybe even demand to be compensated at the level of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Cause that's what new quarterback contracts always are. But I will tell you that if you like Dak now, you liked him five months ago, you liked him 10 months ago. 207 yards, like he only passed for 300 yards a handful of times in his entire NFL career. This is who he is. And while the league has caught up a little bit to his style, the league has also changed and evolved. This is no different than basketball. Look, I I think Dak will be fine. And if you can sign him to a deal which ultimately kind of settles in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks, I think that's reasonable. The problem is no one's ever reasonable with their asking price for a new quarterback contract. But this is no different than, or it's slightly different, but there's some similarities there to why Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony might get cut by the Houston Rockets. Now, is Carmelo Anthony a little bit over the hill? Sure. Does he struggle with accepting a role where he doesn't touch the ball as often? Sure. Does he struggle defensively and gets caught on bad switches and if you're, you, it's really, really hard to hide him? Sure. But some of those things were still problems five years ago. The difference is the league has changed. Where he scores is in the mid-range and the post-up, and those, those are ball-stopping parts to a game which no one likes to play anymore. Now you're either a ball screen dominant ball dominant guard with ball in your hands playing downhill, or you're a catch and shoot big guy or a, a, a three and D wing. And he is none of these things. In the National Football League at quarterback, either you're all, you're all, you're a guy who can make adjustments in the line of scrimmage and is a super brilliant supercomputer with a laser accurate arm. Or you're pretty accurate, you're big, you're mobile, and you got a huge arm downfield. Dak Prescott's kind of neither of those. He, he's more the big thrower, the guy who can take some 
heat, the guy he can, he's like a, a mini version of a Cam Newton, but he doesn't quite have that arm, doesn't quite have uh, he, the athletic ability, and isn't quite as big. So part of it is the league catches up to Dak. Part of it is the league evolves. That said, as much turmoil as has been around the Dallas Cowboys, with a win on the road in Philadelphia, they're sitting there at four and five tied with Philly in a division where they can still win the damn thing. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Remember when people were freaking out? Freaking out about the new rules as far as hitting a, a quarterback. You know, Miami has a guy who gets a sack. Like, well, he tore his knee because he was trying to avoid landing on the quarterback. Or he just tore his knee standing up non-contact. That means that knee was going to go no matter what. All the penalties that Clay Matthews had, you know, two weeks in a row between the Packers. And has anyone had this discussion the last month? Nope. I haven't heard it once. I, so, so my process, people ask this all the time. What do you do to prepare for your show? Honestly, I watch a lot of games. Um, I do a good amount of reading. And then I listen to other people's sports shows that I like. And I go, oh, there's a topic that, now it doesn't mean I like or steal their takes. I got my own way of kind of looking at things, but I want to know what everybody I feel like is talking about. The guys I respect nationally on Fox Sports Radio and occasionally other places. You know what I haven't heard in the last month? I haven't heard anybody bring up, oh, yeah, that terrible new rule where you can't land on a player. Do you know why? As we told you, players will adjust and the officiating will adjust. Right? It's, it's like the start of a relationship. Start of the relationship, you'd never go out unshaven. You'd always go out with a belt on. You're never going to pick her up in sweats. You're always going to be super early. Your car is going to be clean. And then eventually you get to like the real representative of who you are. And you're like, look, I've been pretty clean and I've been pretty formal and how I've and pretty conservative and how I've approached this whole thing. Let's kind of go with that. But you, you kind of loosen up as the, the, the dating continues. That's what happens in sports. Early on, they draw a hard and fast lines because they want to keep the quarterbacks on the field. We don't want any more Aaron Rodgers. We just don't. Um, don't want another Aaron Rodgers situation where somebody lands on him and breaks his collarbone. Don't want another Tony Romo. We want these quarterbacks, as many quarterbacks to stay in the league as possible to keep him upright, can't hit him below the knee, can't hit him above the neck, and he can't land on him. And you know what? It's worked. It's worked. Tell, tell me the quarterback that's, that's hit and torn up his knee. Tell me the quarterback that's been out with a concussion. Right? I mean, the hardest hit was on a Deshaun Watson who, who had a collapsed lung. I mean, that dude is so tough. They end up driving him to a game. But that was a good, clean, hard hit. Not preventable. We didn't penalize anybody. Aaron Rodgers playing this year? Yep. Did he play last year? No, he got hurt. Russell Wilson. Why does every Russell Wilson game end up with him running around trying to lead a comeback with the Seahawks? Sometimes they pull it off. Sometimes they don't. I was watching that last drive in the airport in Chicago last night. And I turned to somebody. I was like, 
isn't every Seattle game end like this? Dan Byers sitting there going, yes, every Seattle game actually ends like this. Every single one. But Russell Wilson's still playing. Jared Goff's still playing. Matt Ryan's still playing. I mean, it's... Joe Flacco's the only one who might sit because of a hip. That's it. I mean, Jameis Winston got pulled, but he got pulled because he sucked, not because he got hurt. So... They established rules that would help keep guys healthy at the most important position. It's worked. And oh yeah, by the way, they've dialed it back because guys have dialed back how they're getting after the quarterback. And we haven't heard hide nor hair. Like the only thing I've heard less of is, remember when the NFL was going to conduct a study on the air pressure in footballs? No one's ever heard any results of that. By the way, it's because the Patriots... I probably didn't take any air out of the football. They probably were just playing with lightly inflated footballs. That's it. And the weather did cause the balls to lose, lose inflation. And that does actually happen. That is a real thing in sports. And the only logical conclusion, because if the NFL, aha, we got them, we got the Patriots, they would have announced it as such, but they didn't. That's the only thing I've heard less of. That is the only thing that ranks above the, hey, you can't land on a quarterback, which everyone seemed to complain about in the preseason, the first two weeks of the season, and no one has spoken of since. Right? Oh, this is football as we knew it is over. It's over. There's no contacts. Two-hand touch. Why don't we put flags on them? Remember that? Now, we're not doing jacked-up segments, but I saw Quentin Nelson. Did you guys see the video of Quentin Nelson? as a pulling guard from the Colts screaming while he does it. And he just road graded a dude from Jacksonville. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. This, and I've, I've heard people football is under attack. Well, it's not. We're just trying to keep your quarterbacks healthy and trying to keep people's brain healthy. And then if you want to be a battering Ram, you still have injuries. Cooper cup, sadly tore his ACL in Sunday's game. My guess is, that he had a weakness in the knee going back to the original injury in Denver. But still, you still have injuries. still stinks. But the quarterbacks are still playing, and all of that nonsense about ruining the sport and completely changing the sport, NFL offenses are at an all-time high. They wanted that. Quarterbacks are in and not getting hurt. That's one of the reasons that scoring and, and points are up. And whatever contact you make, you can obviously adjust. Otherwise, there'd be more penalties. I, I hate to be the guy who mentions it, but ratings are up too. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Joe Thomas was a seven-time All-Pro, uh, sure to be a Hall of Fame offensive Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Kind enough to join us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Joe, I, I've gotten really soft. I mean, I was I lived I I was born in Wisconsin. I lived in Connecticut like 12 of the last 16 years. I've been on the West Coast now, back for. Oh, about uh, 13, 14 months. I went to Cincinnati. It was only 40 degrees. It was sunny. And I swear to God, my hands, my feet were absolutely freezing. You haven't gotten soft in uh, your retirement, have you? It didn't even take me a year to get soft. I, I got soft within the first six months. But I tell you what, I've been in Cincinnati a bunch of times. And that stadium can get pretty cold. That wind off the river can just cut right through that stadium. And some of the coldest games I've ever played in were actually at Paul Brown Stadium. 
Yeah, the, the the river is right outside the stadium, and uh, and and it is kind of open, in, sort of in that end zone. I want to ask you about the the Saints, who were so dominant they got Terrell Austin fired, right? And they they don't punt yesterday. And I was working with Brian Baldinger, and he's like, "You got to watch this offensive line work from the New Orleans Saints. What have they done to get it all together to be the perfect offensive line for the way Drew Brees plays?" Well, they're always blocking for a spot that's you know seven yards deep. So they're they're trying to create a firm pocket up front, but then allow those rushers to try to rush up the field. And they know that Drew Brees he gets rid of the ball so quickly that if somebody tries to rush up the field, they just can't get there. And so they fit their scheme perfectly with how Drew Brees loves to play. Joe Thomas joining us on behalf of Polaris. We'll get to that in, in a moment. Cowboys get a win on the road over the Philadelphia Eagles. There's been a lot of talk about hey. You lose Travis Frederick, and that's why this offensive line hasn't looked as cohesive, hasn't looked as dominant as it had going back two years ago. What did you see from the Cowboys' offensive line last night against the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think what you see is the quarterback that's playing better. A lot of times the offensive line, they get way too much credit uh, when a quarterback plays well, and they get too much blame when the quarterback doesn't play well because a lot of times if the quarterback's not throwing the ball on time, it doesn't matter who's up there blocking in front. They're going to be getting that quarterback hit, and they're going to be taking a lot of the blame. But you get a quarterback that's playing a little bit better. Dak Prescott plays a little bit better the other night, and all of a sudden everyone says that all the problems that they have have been fixed. And I agree, missing Travis Frederick is a, is a big blow to that offensive line. But uh, I, I still think overall they're a really good offensive line, and they can play really well, but they just need that quarterback position to play much better. Obviously, your former team, the Browns, made a change, head coach and coordinator. And uh, last week, it was a really conservative game plan. This week, obviously, that game plan's helped out when Nick Chubb runs for 176. What's changed in not just the play calling, but also the personnel groupings uh, in in the past two weeks since changing play callers? Well, I think you're seeing Duke Johnson on the field a lot more with Nick Chubb, and that's given defenses problems because they don't know how to handle both those guys. Uh, Duke Johnson being targeted in the passing game has made a big impression uh, on that offense and, and really helped boost that offense. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's playing really well. He was really efficient in the game yesterday. I think he was like 17 out of 20 and three touchdowns. As many touchdowns as he had in completions, he was just lights out. But uh, you got an offensive coordinator in Freddie Kitchens. He's calling great games because he's got nothing to lose. He's on an interim basis. He can go out there and call trick plays. He can be unpredictable. He can call play-action passes when his uh, offense is in their own end zone. So uh, I think it's a great position for that offense to be in, and I think you're seeing that good growth from Baker Mayfield, that quarterback, and that's exactly why they decided to make the changes that they did in the middle of the season. Yeah, the, a little bit of the bowl game offense, right? That, that's when, you, when, you, when you're an interim offensive coordinator, you can kind of run that bowl game like, Hal, let's just take a shot at it. That's a great way to put it, yeah. It's that, it's that bowl game offense. Hey, it doesn't matter. We, we can take some risks. If they don't pan out, oh well. But let's have some fun with it. Let's cut it loose. Let, the, let these guys play some football. And I think you're seeing some great results. Joe, you miss it? You did it for a long time. Do you miss it? You always miss it when things are going well. And, and it's easy now that you're retired to only remember the good parts and to only remember the easy stuff that was fun. But uh, I think I have uh, enough of an elephant memory that uh, I remember how hard it was for me to get out of bed on those Mondays and how difficult it was for me to be able to prepare for those games on Sunday and, and uh, how really it was just not tenable anymore. And so as much as you miss 
the wins in the locker room and everything, you can't ever separate it in your memory, you know, how the pain that you went through, especially at the end of the season, from how much fun it is to go out there and strap it up and uh, win a game. Joe Thomas joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I want to ask you about the Steelers. Tomorrow's the day in which Le'Veon Bell, we're told he won't show up, um, but tomorrow's the day in which we'll know officially he shows he doesn't show up. And I don't think anyone would argue whether or not he has more overall God-given talent than James Conner. But there, there's something about Conner, maybe it's his personal story, maybe it's connection to Pittsburgh, having played college football there. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, he has shown the ability to step up when there was all the noise about Le'Veon Beltman. It's probably all of the above. But, like, look, man, you've been in those locker rooms, and we're hearing offensive linemen speak out essentially on his behalf, which is kind of unheard of to ever, you know, divide a locker room with players. That may happen inside the locker room, but but never publicly from offensive linemen outside the locker room. Have you ever seen this before where a team just goes like, hey, you know what, James Conner's our guy, and we're kind of over Le'Veon Bell? Because that's what it feels like to us, the fan. It's definitely an unusual situation. I'm not sure I've ever seen it before. Obviously, going back to the contract dispute, the player just flat out saying, hey, I don't want your franchise tag. I'm just not going to play this year. I'd rather take $0 this year and go to free agency. That's obviously unique. And then to have your own offensive line players in the locker room calling you out in the media, it's really unique. And and honestly, if Le'Veon Bell shows up, that's going to be a toxic situation. Uh, We don't think he will, but I guess anything can happen in this type of situation. So if he does show up, it's obviously going to make for some good drama. Me, myself, and the media now, I would love for him to show up because that would give me something to talk about for a few weeks on my award-winning Tomahawk podcast. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, though, if you think about it. Like, there is something to guys who people believe in and people like as opposed to a guy who might have more talent, right? Is that That's fair, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, desire and want to, that has a big impact on how well you play on Sundays. And just because somebody's got ability doesn't mean that you have what it takes to make it in the NFL. And there's thousands of guys that have had way more ability but not been able to make it in the NFL because they don't have the drive. They don't have that want to that it takes to be able to go out on a Sunday and take those hits that you have to take and then wake up on a Monday morning at 6 a.m. and get in the weight room and get in the training room and get yourself right to do it again the next week. That's not something that you, every person has. And so you've got to have that drive if you want to make it in the NFL. All right, now, I read where you're doing this deal with Polaris to kick off Ranger Country Heroes Hunt. It's a program to develop and celebrate veterans and raise awareness for funding for LEEK. That's L-E-E-K, hunting and mountain preserve. What is what is LEEK and what's Polaris? And what are you and Polaris doing for it? Yeah, so I'm really excited to be partnering with uh, Polaris Ranger on their Ranger Country Heroes Hunt program, where this year they're raising money for LEEK, which is a hunting preserve out in Pennsylvania that I got a chance to go to this fall that helps rehabilitate our nation's veterans. And I got a chance to go out there and spend some time with some Army and Marine Corps vets and just see firsthand how being in the outdoors and sharing that fellowship with fellow Marines is giving these guys an ability to heal as they transition back to civilian life. And it's really a special thing. And, and Rangers trying to donate $100,000 so that Leak is able to expand their program to be able to serve and help more vets. And the cool thing I think about Leak that separates itself from a lot of other veterans' programs is all veteran run. It's owned by a former veteran, uh, or excuse me, a veteran of, I think he was in the Army. And it's just a really neat program to be involved with. 
And I think it's a great program on this Veterans Day as we're celebrating today to be able to go out there and donate and uh, support our vets. All right, so uh, last thing. Obviously, famously, when you were drafted, you were fishing, which is pretty much the coolest thing ever. Uh, When you hunt... You deer? You a deer guy? You a bird guy? You a bear guy? You a wild hog guy? Like you can only elk? You can only go hunting for one thing? What's your what's your uh, what's your game best at? I like to get out and do all of it. You know, when I was at Leak this fall, it was really cool because uh, we got to do some deer hunting in the morning with some of the vets, and then we actually did a little pheasant hunt in the afternoon. So the outdoor opportunities at Leak are endless. Hunting, fishing, even if you're not into that stuff, they do camping. They allow vets to bring their whole family out there it's, it's really a lot of fun and for a guy like me to be able to be just a little bit a part of that was really cool i'm great lyman thanks for joining us so much we really appreciate it. by the way you can go to donate.onecause.com slash heroes hunt or text uh, 512-920-5521 that's the one and only joe thomas joining us on the doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Michael Lombardi is a former general manager in the NFL. He also has a great, great podcast called GM Street. Download, listen to it. I do. And then you can pick up his book, Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. It's on sale now. Let's work backwards, shall we, Michael? Let's, let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, when they can run it with Zeke Elliott, uh, it, it changes the entire game. Um, do you think last night's performance bodes well for the rest of the season for the Cowboys? You know, that's always going to be a hard one. I'm not sure he's going to have that kind of game every week, especially when he faces... Uh, a better defense. So, you know, the, the Eagles' run defense typically was very good. Now, this week he goes against Atlanta, which doesn't have a run defense. So, you know, they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game like they did last night. But I think more than anything, their defense played to a level that it didn't play against Tennessee on Monday night. It created some problems for Carson Wentz. It forced him to, to make some throws he really didn't want to make. And I thought they were around the ball quite a bit. I, I don't know how far this Cowboy team can go. Because at some point when teams take away the run, they're not a very good left-handed team. No, no, they're not. And that, that brings me back to last week's comments where Jerry Jones said Dak's going to get an extension, which obviously leads you to think that there's going to be some sort of coaching change unless they win this division, get to the playoffs. Um, if you were advising Jerry, they don't have to give Dak an extension and they could let him play the market at the end of next year. They could franchise tag him, whatever. But there is the idea that he's been a starting quarterback playing on a fourth-round picks contract. How do you realistically approach that if you were in that front office? Well, I think you got to design an offense that fits him. I don't think they utilize his skill set very well, Doug. I think he's a guy who can run. He can do more with his feet than they allow him to do. He's not a classical drop-back passer you know, he can run that read option. He can do a lot of things that these mobile quarterbacks are doing in the league today. And I think if they took a little bit more of what he did at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen and utilized that kind of attack, I think they would be better suited for Dak Prescott and it would help his receivers get open because they have a hard time separating. So for me, I think that this is uh, this is a situation. I don't think we've seen the best of Dak. I think when you look at it last year, when you look at it this year, just take third and short, third and four and plus. You know, the Cowboys ranked 29th in the NFL in that category this year. When he was humming really good with Jason Witten and Des Bryant in 2016, they ranked fourth. 
Now, has Dez gotten that worse from his rookie season? I doubt it, but people know their plays pretty well. Their scheme isn't exactly complex. Uh, you, you talk about Des Bryant. He came back all 36 hours. He was with the Saints. He tears his Achilles tendon. Um, and and look, this some of this becomes social media where people don't know how to react to it. But m- my point on social media was, hey, when you're in your 30s and you're not with a team, even if you're in regular shape, you're not in football shape. You know, the Saints put out there that he was five pounds overweight, so they might not have dressed him on Sunday. Anytime you put out that the guy's five pounds overweight, he's probably more 10 pounds overweight. Is this one of those warnings to older players, or is this just a numbers game and, and guys happen to get hurt sometimes? You know, I, I, the Achilles tendon to me is strange because guys young, Ronald Curry uh, tore it twice when he played for the Raiders and he was under 27 years old, you know, and in shape. So it's kind of a funny thing. You just never really know the wear and tear on a guy's body and how it how it affects him. Back in the day when you had an Achilles, your career was over. Now they can repair him, they come back stronger than ever. But you're right. I mean, Dez wasn't doing anything. He went up to Cleveland. I didn't think he was in shape just watching him do that stuff there on hard knocks. I don't think he put the time or the effort in. That'll be the question if Le'Veon Bell decides to sign his tender tomorrow. What kind of shape is he actually in? I know he's been working out in Miami, but working out in football shape are two different things. So I would say every time a guy misses time, he's going to pull a hamstring, pull a calf muscle. Something's going to happen that's going to set him back. It's it's a great point. Okay, so... Le'Veon, there's talk that Le'Veon Bell won't show up. Let's say he does show up. And obviously that locker room loves James Conner. On the other hand, Le'Veon Bell is a remarkably talented guy. How does that work? You're in the, you're in the stretch run of the season. The team's playing really, really well. You do have this guy. He is talented. You have to pay him. So you might as well play him some. How do you handle that? Look, the, the way I would handle him is real simple. I would just bring, I would bring him back make him earn his way back onto the team. I wouldn't give him anything. I don't think you can. I think you lose your team if you do that. You know, he's been, he's been in Miami, you know, jet skiing, as Don Martindale said. And meanwhile, everybody's been in camp since July. I don't think you just turn around and hand out starting jobs. You've got to earn them back. And the way Connor's played, you'll lose your team if you don't. And the other thing is, if you give him too many reps, he's going to pull a muscle and he's going to miss even significant time. I mean, just look at Leonard Fournette. Not that he missed camp. But once a back pulls, it's hard to get it back. We saw it with other players in the league. So I would bring him back. I would take my two-week exemption that the league's going to give me. I wouldn't dress him for two weeks. I would go about my business, and I would integrate him back in until he proved that he practiced hard and wanted to help the team, and he showed his teammates he wanted to come back, not just me. Michael Lombardi joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's get to the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco has got a hip issue, may cape him out this week. They gave the guys a bunch of time off, and there's the thought of using Lamar Jackson, but you got to completely change the offense. Then you got RG3 there, who actually won the backup job um, in the preseason. What do you do if you're Baltimore? I, I really think Baltimore desperately needs to get Lamar Jackson more integrated. If Taysom Hill can have a significant role for the New Orleans Saints, why can't Lamar Jackson have one? I mean, Taysom Hill's been outstanding. He runs hard. Third and two, they put him in. Drew Brees is having an MVP season. He doesn't seem to have a problem being extended out. Taysom Hill can throw a pass. Lamar can throw way more passes. So I think the I think the Ravens are doing themselves a disservice. They don't make enough big plays on offense for them to not utilize the skill set of what Lamar Jackson can bring. And it can't be just a trick play here or there. They've got to have him involved with the offense, and they've got to utilize his skill set. To me, it's now or never for Baltimore. Look, they all know they're getting fired if they don't advance into the playoffs. That's not been a secret. The owners mandated that 
back last spring. We either go to the playoffs or I'm cleaning house. And if that's the case, then I would utilize all the talent that I have aboard to try to get there. I think they're, I think they've done a poor job offensively of trying to utilize the skill set of Flacco and then trying to integrate what Lamar Jackson can do. They just, just want to run their plays and they don't seem to be adhering to what their talent base tells them. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That That's the voice of Michael Lombardi. Uh, a lot of people have been praising the L.A. Chargers. They're set to get Joey Bosa back. They handled their business well enough against the Raiders, but now they lose Denzel Perriman as their middle linebacker. How much does that change them? Well, I think it's going to hurt them. Hayes Pollard isn't the same player. Obviously, I think Bosa back will help, but I didn't think they played their A game yesterday. They really didn't look as sharp or as crisp offensively. Melvin Gordon was sensational. I mean, you talk about the screen pass, wow, what a play. But to me, I think one of the greatest runs I've seen this season was the fourth and one that he got three yards on, and it looked like he was going to lose five yards. I mean, that was one of the best runs I've ever seen in my NFL career. It was remarkable. He had him pinned on the sideline, and yet he gained, he gained two more yards. I didn't think Rivers was as sharp as he's been in the past, and I just didn't think their team was in it. The good part was they didn't miss a field goal or an extra point. Now, that's something to celebrate if you're a Los Angeles Charger fan. I think they got to take their game up a notch. They played to the level of the Raiders, and they played well enough to beat them. But I think they got to get much better, and they've got to improve, and they can't let have these lulls because these lulls will create some issues for them. Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. How good are the Bears? <laughs> I think that's a great question. Look, the Bears' level of comps. So the teams that the Bears have won six games against combined record is 18-37. and 37. You know, and the Bears have are the beneficiaries of really of a soft schedule. Other than playing the Rams in Los Angeles, having to go to Minnesota, I don't think there's a hard game on their schedule left. They're going to make the playoffs. I think now we're going to see what Mitchell Trubisky can do. I love how all the Chicago media say the national media doesn't understand. You know, we do get direct TV. We do get the <laughs> Sunday ticket. We've seen every Bears game. And going into last week, Mitchell Trubisky was 40 for 89 on throws over 10 yards. Eight, inter- eight, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. A lot of his work is done behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards. Yesterday he made a couple throws, bro- broken coverages. Look, the Lions defensively are one of the worst secondaries in football. They didn't have Darius Slay. They give up a, a opposing quarterback rating of 120, and they give up a ton of big plays. I'm going to temper it back a little bit. Like, let's not put Trubisky in Canton just quite yet. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And – I talked to a couple of defensive coordinators in the league, and they're like, "Look, pre-snap, they're really good, but but he already makes up his mind where he's going to go with the football before the football is snapped. And when you get to November and December, uh, that's when a lot of that's that, that when people figure out what you're going to do before you do it. That's when all of a sudden you got to think on the fly. And there's a lot of questions about his accuracy pushing the ball downfield and uh, and, 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 and mentally, whether or not he can go through those progressions when the first read that he was convinced was going to be there isn't there. Is that fair? No, no doubt. I, I, see it, I see it exactly the same way. I see him more of a running back than a quarterback. He can make some loose plays if you don't contain him in the pocket. But I'm not down that road. And, you know, I think that he's going to have to prove against, really, Mike Zimmer's weak off defense where Mike Zimmer's got some athletes and he can disguise coverages and he'd take away that short game. Look, the New England Patriots have gotten beat. They're, they are two and three on the road this year, and their three losses were by, are by double digits. They're not a good road team this year, and they walked into Chicago. The score was not as close as the game actually ended up being, and I think that's really an indictment of really what the Bears are. 
Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. How concerning is not just that the Patriots were beaten, but how handily they are beaten? Look, as I said, they're a bad road team. I mean, you have to go back to 2013. It was the last time that they didn't play as well on the road. They were 4-4 four and four that year. This year, they're 2-3. and three. They're going to have to sweep the remaining three road games just to get above 500. Typically, this is a 6-2, and 7-1 and one road team that always is. I mean, Tom Brady did not play well yesterday. He's been sacked 10 times, Doug, on the road so far this season. That's, all, that's two a game. He's averaging under seven yards per attempt on the road this year. They haven't been able to get the ball down the field. They haven't been able to make explosive plays. They do not look like the same team. Even though they played against Green Bay and played well, it took some trick plays to do it. I think they're, they got to work ahead of them. They've got to get much better on defense. I mean, they could not stop Marcus Mariota yesterday. They couldn't stop. They could not stop uh, the run game. They couldn't stop Corey Davis, who typically he's had one pass play over 50 yards the entire season. He said none others over 25 yards until yesterday when he made a couple big plays. They've got a lot of work ahead of them. Awesome stuff, Michael. I appreciate it. Check out his. Uh podcast gm street or pick up his book it is an absolute must read a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the nfl the book is called gridiron genius michael thanks again thanks doug i'm diosa and i'm mala we are the creators of locatora radio a radiophonic novella which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast welcome to locatora radio season nine love, love at first, first listen, listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 